Good afternoon, and welcome to our first episode under our new name, the Conservatarian Exchange on the Liberty Block, hosted today by our regular panel of Ed M., Ed P., Gina, Mike, and Steve. Our new name reflects not only our larger panel of regular hosts, but also the diverse opinions of our hosts, ranging from more conservative to quite libertarian almost anarchist. We hope that by next week, this show will also be streaming live on several other platforms regarding which we will keep everyone apprised. As always, the show is being recorded live and will be available within a few hours as a podcast, which can be found on iTunes, SoundCloud, YouTube, Facebook, Rumble, and Odyssey by searching for the Liberty Block. We also ask anyone listening to please send feedback to what is still our email address, which is ejsshow at protonmail.com. Before welcoming everybody, I want to shout out to our original host, Jody, whose birthday is today. Hopefully she will hear this by midnight. We wish to send her happy birthday wishes. And so I don't forget, I'm going to take this opportunity to also wish a early happy birthday to Ed M. With that, welcome, everyone. Thank you, Steve. I wonder why you chose the word diversity in your <laughs> remarks there. You wonder. But otherwise, great opening. Welcome, everybody. Hi, everybody. How, is it? How are you all doing? Doing good. Hey, guys. Glad to be here, guys. How you doing? It's like Gina has a tan, so. Do I? You do. It's just either the lighting. That, it's nothing that different. Or just you put good makeup on today. I'll, I'll take that one because I haven't. Diversity. I haven't been tanning. It well, is. It's diversity. Tell, yes. We can tell there's no shadow where the mask usually. No, sits. no shadow. No, no nothing. She's cheating. So I got my story, The stories that I want to cover, but I'll let you guys cover whatever you want. Is if you guys want to talk about whoopee. Uh, there's the Joe Rogan story, which is out there uh, boiling up from a whole bunch of different sides, which I find kind of interesting. There's the ruling in the Pennsylvania court last week about Act 77 being unconstitutional, which I think is a pretty major story. And um, a little bit there's talk. I saw Dershowitz wrote an article, is it constitutional to restrict nominations to specific genders and races, etc. So those are stories, some of the stories that I'm interested in. But um, Ed, since you're the closest we have to a birthday boy today, I'll let you chime in first with what you want to talk about. I think I want to start with Whoopi. And I'm seeing, <laughs> I'm, seeing, I'm seeing a lot of people. Ed, Ed, you're trying to say you want to make Whoopi? Is that what you're trying to say? No, that's not what I said. You guys need to listen better. <laughs> I'm seeing a lot of people and, I, and you mentioned Sean Hannity earlier I have no doubt that Sean Hannity tonight will be saying that he is against the cancel culture being applied to Whoopi Goldberg and my response to those people is if you have ever 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 decried the hypocrisy of the left then don't you dare defend Whoopi Goldberg or if you do, I don't ever want to hear you complain about, about hypocrisy again, because you're voluntarily submitting to a, to a hip, hypocritic, hypocritical standard 
without even being pressured. Well, I, I defend they, Whoopi Goldberg. I don't defend her being suspended, but I, I certainly defend. She should be suspended. She should be fired. The same rules should apply to her as apply to us. And, and until, they Gina the pain, yeah. until they feel the pain that they inflict on us, the crap is not going to stop. So if you ever complained about hypocrisy, then you better come down full bore attacking, not attacking, but going full bore on Whoopi getting the full penalty for, for what she said. Okay, I have a couple of questions. Um, first of all, is anybody on the so-called right defending her? I know the head of the ADL jumped out really quick to um, accept her apology, even though supposedly it was the Jewish Anti-Defamation League, but we'll leave that. I also want to point out that in my opinion, the problem wasn't her anti-Semitism, which is what I think people were reacting to, but her absolute blithering ignorance. <laughs> so I don't know how people, was it the anti-Semitism or was it the ignorance? Because well, I, I mean, I think it's a mixture of the two, come on. I would like to defend her because I, I you know, and I, it's Are you defending her stupidity? Uh, no, I'm just saying that here, here's a woman, uh, Karen Elaine Johnson, born in the slums of Manhattan and the projects, went to a Catholic elementary school, uh, dropped out of high school, went to California, thought she was funny, got a couple of uh, gigs um, doing stand up and was cast in movies in which uh, she was herself in every movie. She can't act. And then uh, got to be on Star Trek. And and uh, um, does this sound like an autodidact to you? Does this sound like someone who has read, uh, you know, um, the origins of totalitarianism? Yeah, then don't speak on it. If you don't know something about it, Because everybody in the United... No, 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 there's a point to this. Well, there's two points. There's a personal point and then there's a larger point. Everybody in the United States has been pounded since day zero that racism in the united states is a black and white thing it's black white black white black white black white blacks are oppressed by whites sometimes chinese get oppressed by whites but it's always blacks being oppressed by whites and so being a black girl uh that's what she thought so yeah from her perspective world war ii is just a bunch of white people killing each when do they ever give us the opportunity to explain ourselves like that no no no, never no no i'm 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 telling you she's an idiot and I'm telling you, she's on that, ignorant. Right? But what I'm trying to say is that remember last week we talked about the Uyghurs. We talked about the Uyghurs and we said, you know what? It's a shame that the Uyghurs are being put in concentration camps by the Chinese. We don't like the Chinese. The Chinese are bad. But let's be honest. We have our own problems. We've got to deal with it. And and I, now I know a number of you have been personally affected by the Holocaust and your family members and ancestors have been murdered by the Nazis. And I don't mean to insult you or to take away from your personal horrific experience in your families. But for a lot of people, the Holocaust is like the Uyghurs. It's something that happened over there a long time ago that we can't do anything about. And uh, the number one person I think who uh, should defend her is Jonathan Greenblatt of the ADL because he changed the definition of racism on the ADL website. It used to say, this is the ADL website, used to say racism is the belief that a particular race is superior or inferior to another and that a so person's social and moral traits are predetermined by his or her inborn biological characteristics and it goes on. Now, racism now that was just changed last week 
the marginalization and or oppression of people of color based on a socially constructed racial hierarchy that privileges white people. <laughs> well, I mean, he just admitted that Whoopi's right, right? Because the Nazis and the Jews were both white. I mean, Ashkenazi Jews, we have two of them on the panel. Uh, you're white, you couldn't be whiter. So uh, I, I how, do you, how do you uh, explain Rwanda? Yeah, and the Hutus and the Tutsis, yeah. right? I mean, so I, I, I think this is not just Whoopi's lack of knowledge about the Second World War and the, you know, and Mein Kampf and the Hitler's rise to power. I think it's sort of a universal, um, it, it's a sort of a universal thing nowadays where people just don't care about things in the past you've seen all these man in the street interviews where they ask you know when what year did the united states declare independence and they're like 1930 you know i mean that's that's the level of of the same way that you're saying that we don't care that the uyghurs don't register on our scale on our screen when a leftist gets canceled it doesn't register on my screen i don't care if she's got a defense i don't care if there's an explanation they do it to us they don't give a damn they don't give us a chance to explain ourselves yeah. No, I, I get it. I, I get, get it. it. I'm just trying to make it's the larger worse, societal point that that, uh, that hey. she is only doing what has we, been pounded into every American since birth. And I have to tell you something. It's interesting. I, I'm not so much insulted as a Jew. First of all, my family's lucky. We literally cannot trace anybody anywhere who was affected by the Holocaust, which is quite rare for an American Jew. Most of my family came here in the early 1900s, so I'm lucky. I'm more concerned with her unbelievable ignorance and why would I wanna be paying somebody six or seven figures to opine when they know nothing about anything? But do you think anybody else on The View or anybody else at CNN, for instance, uh, that's another story. Brian Stelter is like, why are people listening to Joe Rogan when they should be listening to CNN? Do you think any of them have any more knowledge than Whoopi Goldberg? She Megan just McCain. said it. I'm well, that, go with McCain. I think part of it, though, is her quote unquote apology was pathetic, like absolutely pathetic. She had no remorse about it. I mean, there are so many things. If I'm going to talk about something, OK, here's a lady that's got oh, I don't know what their audience is now, you know, but there are a lot of people that are looking to her thinking just like kids look to their teachers to be speaking truth. So there's all these crazy leftists that watch her thinking she's like this smart, intelligent woman. Okay. If she is going to speak on something, I don't care what it is. Like, I'm not going to go speak about neuroscience until even if it's like the smallest little thing about neuroscience, I'm going to go research it first. So I don't make a, you know what, out of myself. I mean, it's, she doesn't really have an excuse. She's 60 some years old, maybe 70 years old, however old she is. You know, she's capable to even just go to Wikipedia or Google and find out about the Holocaust and anything else. But that's the whole point. It, it's never about the underlying facts. It's never about whether what she said is technically true or technically false. They never apply that standard to us. We should not apply it to them. It doesn't matter. She. Yeah, she I think said what I'm trying to say is punished. I don't care about Whoopi Goldberg, whether she's canceled or not. Did you know that she chose the name Goldberg because it was said in her family that she had a Jewish ancestor, kind of like a Cherokee Senator Warren. And then she did the public, she did the public DNA tests and found out, nope, yeah, sorry. So 8%, uh, you know, 8% European and 92% West African. Um, 
but it was said in her family that they always had a Jewish ancestor. So, so does George Soros. But anyway, I'm glad we have a difference of opinion on this. I just, I, I kind of agree with Gina. I think she's making the point. When you're on TV, people think you have a brain. Now, wasn't it Whoopi who said that Jill would make the uh, great uh, surgeon general because she's such a great doctor? I mean, what are we paying her for? Now, apparently Jeff Zucker's gone too. Of course, he's not gone because he hires blithering fools. He's gone for other reasons. But I think you all heard that he resigned today. Yes. Yes. But I mean, he, relationship. He, he resigned because he was having, he, he's divorced and she's divorced and he was having an affair with one of his subordinates, which is against the rules. Now, that's what they said. Um, this has been known, according to uh, some of the things I've read, for months and months and months, maybe even a year. I don't know how long the relationship has been going on. So um, just like with Cuomo, I, do, I don't believe it. I don't believe he was removed uh, for this affair. I believe he was removed for uh, other things like the complete tanking of CNN in the ratings. And this is an excuse to, um, uh, to try to go in a, a slightly different direction by the owners of CNN, which is I think AT&T nowadays. Um, so I, I think it was just used in, as an excuse. You know, by the way, I want to go back to the Nazi issue for a second, because I put up a lot of stories in the show notes. Um, you know, there's this big fight about anybody who compares COVID fascism to Nazism getting absolutely slaughtered and back to what we're saying being canceled. And besides Doe Fisher, who writes for American Spectator, who I love, and he's an Orthodox Jew writing about it, Naomi Wolf wrote a couple of phenomenal articles, and she reminds people we're not comparing COVID fascism to 1942. We're comparing COVID fascism to 1931. And a lot of people have tried to make that point, but instead they always attack the straw man. What do you mean? We have concentration camps for killing people. Now I think she happened to get her facts wrong because she says concentration camps started in the 40s. To my knowledge, they started in the early 30s. The concentration okay. camps started Doc, early. It was the- Dachau opened in March of 1933. Yeah, it was, it was, it was the mass thing. murder that, uh, started in the second right World War. but but i agree with her and i think it's really important to keep hammering home that point that we're comparing it to very early fascism and like there's that 10 point scale of genocide etc and i'm glad she's doing it because she comes from the left and maybe she still has a tiny bit of credibility left with the left i don't know i think she had us on maybe on step seven and of that, uh, that that scale, maybe a year ago. So <laughs> I'm wondering look, where the hell we are now, because if you look back historically, Steve, being Jewish was considered uh, a disease. I mean, you were a health you were a health risk to the Aryan population. That's mm -hmm. how it started. And um, so I don't think that is any I don't have any objection to the to the comparison. I think it's an act comparison. Unfortunately, um, anybody who makes it is shut down right away and pretty much forced to apologize. So I'm glad she and a few others are sticking to it because I think it's very important. You know, had the Holocaust not worked out the way Hitler wanted it to, would we have said, oh, it was no big deal? Or would we have had the brains to say we dodged a horrible bullet? Well, I don't know what you mean by it, had it not worked out the way he hoped. Had he only killed 500,000 Jews, would we have said, oh, my God, you made such a big deal and only 500,000 died? 
or no, we would say 500,000 was a big number, just like so let's say 5 million is a big number when he wanted to kill, you know, 20 million. Right. I'm just saying the fact that it doesn't come all the way to fruition doesn't mean that's not where it's headed if we don't head it off. That's what I'm trying to say. Apparently, I'm not saying it well. One of the things I'll say something else controversial. Um, one of the things about um, the push for Holocaust education in the United States nowadays, which is pushed on kids, uh, including very young kids. I think it, it, it you know, I, I have no objection to kids learning about the Holocaust in history class. It's an important part of history. But I think the specific Holocaust education um, uh, that they do uh, independent of, of history, you know, just just that is just another form of, of CRT. Uh, it, it's just teaching white kids that they're evil. Um, I, I, from, from what I can tell, again, I'm not an expert in this, but from what I've seen, uh, the Holocaust education is very much in the, in the mold of CRT. After all, the United States uh, had no responsibility for the Holocaust and uh, Americans, um, you know, 430,000 Americans died uh, in World War II fighting against uh, the, the Germans and the Japanese, both of which uh, committed genocide. And um, the idea that we have to in, in indoctrinate uh, American children about the evils of the Nazis is, um, it, 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 it's, it's strange to me because of course, what it ends up doing is, is basically saying white people are, or you know, Gentiles are, are evil and, uh, and it's a sort of an original, it's a sort of a new original sin, just like the, you know, white people are evil for, for slavery. Um, white people are evil for the Holocaust. And so I think that uh, uh, th this is a very difficult, slippery slope we have here. Um, feel free to take me down if you don't like. What that I was said. definitely controversial, but very interesting. I don't see how Holocaust education teaches that whites are bad. I mean, Jews were whites too. I mean, that was the whole issue with Whoopi that she thought that it was just, you know, two warring white tribes. So how is it? How, I mean, I don't understand what your point she is. Did, she didn't even look at it that way. She was saying it's just, it was a humanitarian issue. It wasn't about race at all. No, I understand exactly what Ed is saying. I think Ed is saying it's being perverted in a way to teach people that whites are just as likely to commit atrocities as anybody else and to put whites down. And I think that's a pretty interesting point if I understand what he's trying to say. Yeah, I mean, that's, you know, I think the, um, I, I think the anti sort of white, um, indoctrination in the United States is out of control. And the weird thing is the word race, R-A-C-E, the word race in the United States means blacks, whites, and Asians. The word race in Europe means essentially ethnic groups. Churchill wrote about the, the great British race and the German race, and Hitler wrote about the Jewish race and uh, the, the Russians and whatnot and the French. They were all races. And so when Hitler demonized the Jewish race, he was engaging in what we would call racism, right? But in the United States, we never thought of race that way. Um, it, it, or at least in my ah, lifetime, it, it's I, always I, been black, I, white, and 
you know, I don't, I don't think it's always been that. I mean, uh, I can tell you as someone who's descended from Italian immigrants, they took their share of hell when they came over here too. Right. But the term racism is, is a, is a post-World War I invention, right? It's not, I get, I get, I get when the Italians came over, they were discriminated against, but nobody, nobody called it racism because that term didn't exist until after World War I. That's all I mean. I think it's going to keep just growing and growing. So like we just started what black history month. Why, why do we have a month just for black? Like I've said it before, like I'm a day go too. like, why do we not have a month? Why is there not a German month? And why is there, I mean, then they've got native Hawaiian Pacific Islander month. You know, I mean, it's just so sickening that they have to continue separating by people group. It's ridiculous. Like and my there's husband- very little black history at all. I mean, in the sense of analyzing primary sources to try to understand when, well, there's no, there's no primary sources until like Frederick Douglass. I mean, they're, right. they're, they're, well, that's no the thing. Their sources. history is our history. Our history is their history. That's it. That is it. We are a mixture for gosh sake. What happened to the melting pot that is the yeah. United States? It's just Every, American well, history, right? Divide, exactly. divide and conquer. And that's, by the way, when you go into the, the mid, when you go into the Midtown Tunnel in New York, there's still this gigantic brass thing that says in big letters, e pluribus uno. I yeah. cannot believe that that still sits there. Clearly. That, that's the leftist that's can't read Latin. Very racist. <laughs> no, but I mean, it's, it's everywhere. The social media does it. You know, that's like ever since uh, George Floyd, for example, it's lift black voices, support black businesses, like on all your little um, things on Facebook, Netflix, black movies, black authors, black this. It's like, what? When is it ever going to flipping? And what if, what is if you watch commercials? Problem, if you watch back, commercials on commercial TV, you'd think the United States oh, I don't think demography was Ed Nigeria. Kind of said, you know, race isn't black and white. Right. Clarence Thomas is not black. He's an American. And, man. No, and that's why it gets even weirder because it has nothing to do with race whatsoever. It has to do with belief yeah. systems, but we right. call it race. That's right. There's this thing right. called whiteness that they speak against. And um, the Smithsonian actually put out a paper. This is very interesting. Mm-hmm. I can't yeah. find it right now, but the, on whiteness and it ha- it's, it's like individual responsibility. Oh and yeah, being hard calm. work and yep. all this, and that's that's whiteness in their view, and and that should be what we. Yeah, they put um, that out in the African American uh, museum, museum or whatever. Yes, yeah, exactly. yeah, and they they quickly pulled that down. I mean, it was just ridiculous. I mean, just I mean, ridiculous. the guy, the current uh, health health uh, what's it called health secretary of Florida. I think he's not black. Alan West is for sure not black. So it literally has nothing to do with genetic race. My husband's not black either. He's he thinks he's almost purple. He's so black, but he's not black either. You and know? and uh, Bill Clinton is black. Yes, because he plays and a dirty sax. Yeah. yeah. Right. Okay. So but, speaking of people, let's move over to Joe Rogan for a minute. I do not listen to Joe Rogan. I do not listen to Joe Rogan because after the first four hundred thousand F words. In the first sentence, I just refuse to listen to anybody. Um, that's just my own ignorance. Uh, my question is, I've listened to a whole bunch of podcasters and pundits. I saw Steve Bannon and Peter Navarro had an argument the other day. Is Rogan caving? Is he groveling or not? And I thought that was pretty interesting. And there are other pundits out there saying he's groveling or he's not groveling, but he's bending a little bit. 
Uh, Glenn Beck was sort of like, I don't think he's going to grovel, but we got to wait and see what happens. So I'm curious, those of you who are more yeah. familiar with him, is he groveling and where's it going to end? Well, I, I don't know if anybody else watched his uh, his video that he put yeah, out. Yeah. I did. I heard he, it. he definitely was bending. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's no question that he was bending when he starts talking about like, you know, I'm going to do better. And when I have more a diverse, he used the word diverse when, when I'm going to have so a he said, when I'm going to have a controversial guest on, then I should follow it up with somebody else. Well, why not the other way around then? You, you right. know what I mean? He, he, he definitely was bending. And, you know, we say this a million times. You can't give an, e- an inch. You can't give a millimeter to the mob or they're right. just going to kill you. He, right. The first thing that he should have done is come out and, and said, screw you. I don't really give a shit what you say. Right. He should have used one of those F-bombs but, then. He's, pro- you know, he's probably that. being sensitive to the fact that Spotify so far had backed him, whatever. Um, you know, part of it, well, maybe he's his own, right? Part of it, he's maybe. Yeah, he's, he's got an $11 million con- or no, $22 million. $100 million over five years or something. Yeah, so it comes out to like $22 million a year. He's their top, top okay. listener, a thousand mil- or a thousand, but he, he 11 million per episode. He should have been challenging all these idiots to come on this podcast. Yeah, you know why don't you act like a real American? I know Neil Young's Canadian, but <laughs> act like act like a real American. I believe in free speech. Come on my my podcast and tell me where I'm wrong. Show me what you know and challenge them. But he didn't do that. That's what he. That's in my opinion. He should. Well, he had about. that idiot uh, from CNN. What's the doctor's name? Uh, CNN. Sanjay oh, Gupta. I can't pronounce Sanjay it. Sanjay yeah, Gupta. He he had yeah. that guy on, and and he um. He, he took him apart. Him. He took him apart over what. Uh, what CNN uh, did to him, Rogan. Mm-hmm. He also at one point had um, the stoner Jack Dorsey, the guy who's in charge of Twitter on and talked to him about, you know, why do you ban people? And then he, um, you know, Dorsey didn't know anything. So he, uh, he had him back and Dorsey came with uh, his corporate counsel and they had Tim Pool on and Tim Pool systematically dissected and destroyed Jack Dorsey and Twitter over their cancel policy. I mean, he just destroyed them. And that was a great, great podcast to listen to. So the idea is like, oh, well, why don't we have um, Fauci come on and talk to uh, Peter McCullough, have a, have a conversation. Well, you know, after the Jack Dorsey, uh, you know, destruction, they are never, ever going to It would to have been great, though. Come on. That would have been the best ratings ever. Oh, my God. Oh my they God. Don't have to. All he has to do is make the offer. That's all he has yeah. to do. Make the offer. And when they refuse it, then you tell them to shut up. I yeah. mean, honestly, like I, I said this uh, to everybody on our back channels during the week. It just it really is fascinating that all these people who were the Woodstock era folks, the counterculture uh, movement of that time were against the man, against the government. They're now all in. Do it. Just obey. Do do it's whatever you're their told. Brains got don't fried from all that anything. Crap. It's fa- it's really it's amazing. Well, did you see who the latest one is? Mary Trump. She's she said she wants her podcast off of Spotify now. Oh. Um, I think Gra- Graham Nash w- was following suit too. <laughs> Does anybody give a crap? Mike, the reason though, the, to, the explanation is that they were never for free speech. They're just like the communists who keep claiming they want free elections until they win. And then as soon as they win, they suspend elections. They're, they're not about free speech. They just try to use the 
instruments of a free society to destroy and corrupt a free society. Yeah, it's Herbert Marcuse in 2022. I mean, that's basically, you know, the in, intoler, intolerance of, or no tolerance of intolerance or, or whatever it was he said. And I think I want to emphasize this point because when our $100 million contract does come through for Liberty Block, I want to put us all on notice that we should stand strong in the face of these kind of attacks. Well, as you guys know, they don't just hand over $100 million to someone without a contract this thick and without you know 20 lawyers on one side and 20 lawyers on the other side negotiating all the terms and agreements. And I'll bet you there is a, um, a term in there that Spotify gets to decide what is acceptable and what isn't acceptable. And the, if uh, Joe objects, he probably loses the money. Now, I thought his Instagram video was as good a video for someone who's a comedian and an MMA fighter um, it was as, as, as an intellectually well-spoken video as you can expect from somebody who just wants to have conversations. Yeah, but if he loses Ed, that money, go ahead, Ed, sorry. Well, I was just going to say, okay, I mean, let's, let's call their bluff. I mean, if I were representing him as his lawyer, I'd say, okay, if they fire you, I mean, forget about maybe we could sue them for breach of contract, but forget about that. Let's say they have a contractual right to terminate that there aren't other people that want to hire him. Right. There's 11 million listeners or however many. Exactly. He, he, he could make his money. I mean, it's not about the money. I mean, you know, Spotify is not, uh, you know, it's, it's not Amazon and it's not uh, Apple. I mean, it's a big company, but there are other companies out there. He could, oh, do, yeah. a, he could do a I, separate podcast. I, I, we have to understand sort of how cal- cancel culture works, right? Because it's not what we think it is. There are groups out there. The Center for Countering Digital uh, Hate uh, is one of them. And of course, the ADL and and SPLC and whatnot. And they have talked the banks into not doing business with platforms that propagate hate. And that flows down to Google and Apple. And Google and Apple, you know, this is ridiculous, of course, because there's no more hate in the world than on Twitter. But if, if Google and Apple have been informed by their banks that Spotify is promoting hate or misinformation, or whether they won't let them into the app store, which basically destroys their business. So that flows down. So it flows down from the banks to Google and Apple. Okay, so start taking payment in Bitcoin or something else. I mean, well, you, you, you can't, no one that. can live without banking, right? As, as Michelle Malkin is sort of finding and Nick Fuentes and whatnot, it's very difficult to live without banking. And the banks aren't private in the United States. Let's be honest. They're, they're arms of the, they're, they're semi-private arms of the government. So, so pull your money out. The guy's got enough money. Pull the dang money out for screw the bank, take the money, punish the bank because they're not using his money. Who cares? Like there's 50 ways around it. Same way they had to, you know, take these credit card processing and the right had to make their own because the banks canceled. So go well, about it another way. Like that. There's, there's how do you get? Mo- how do you get? How do you get money? Right. You get it through ads, which you can no longer mm-hmm. do because Google won't do it. And you get it through like Patreon, which he can no longer do because. And then, well, well, there's Subscribestar. Subscribestar is a free speech patron 
payment platform. So yay, I support lots of people on Subscribestar, yay. Guess what? It uses a Russian payment processor because the only people Subscribestar can get to process payments to these evil, evil, evil uh, people is a Russian payment processor. And guess how that they get paid through Swift. And guess what's Russia's going to be terminated from Swift and Subscribestar is going to be destroyed in the next few days. So that's the other interesting thing. It's not going to be destroyed. They're going to have to go find a Chinese payment processor or something like that, or a Thai payment processor. But it's all very, very... Uh, this is never going to end until the people with money on our side stand up and fight. Yeah. If Amen. They just, if they continue to capitulate, how the hell are us little guys on their side to stand up and be as principled as we little guys are. I think you're right, but I also think we need to attack the banks. I think we Amen. need to use the government but to attack the banks and put in, an anti put in anti-discrimination clause for banking and for all public accommodations for that matter. Um, I believe they're trying that in New Hampshire. Right? On That's what uh, the basis of political views. And yes, if that means some idiot Nazi gets to stay at your hotel or, uh, you know, use Patreon or whatever, that's whatever. Well, don't worry, Ed. I think the banks are on the precipice of failing anyway. So <laughs> they'll, they'll be, be bailed out yet again. It. I just want to mention the two stories or one story, really two sources that are probably the most troubling about the Rogan issue is the headline Joe Biden's Surgeon General suggests Joe Rogan's podcast should be censored. Well, so and Saki saying they need mm -hmm. to censor him even more. Peppermint that Patty. speaks to what Ed M always talks about, this unholy alliance between the government and big tech slash the press is so out of control that they don't even realize how un-American it is for somebody in the White House to say such a thing. Maybe they do realize it. They don't exactly love America. They just don't care. But they're I, not I even embarrassed. They, just, I, I think they all believe that the Constitution means whatever the Supreme Court says it means, unless it's a conservative Supreme Court, then it's whatever the next liberal Supreme Court says it means. And they'll just get away with it. I mean, didn't Bush like sign, he signed some law. Right, the McCain-Feingold. Right, said, saying, well, it's unconstitutional, but it's not my job to decide, so we'll let the courts decide. Right. And by the way, right. did you see Biden's thing yesterday, I believe, when he said the uh, Constitution evolves a little bit at a time anyway? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to yield my time. So, Gina, I believe, if I heard you correctly, you said you were familiar with that North Carolina guy who yeah, he took, is actually uh, give me liberty or give me death very seriously. So you want to yeah, so yes, yeah. So that's Chad. Um, he is a great guy. He is a double amputee, so he's uh, amputee below the knee with both legs. He's had heart issues, heart surgery. His heart's doing great now, but right now he's in uh, kidney dialysis because I actually tried to give him a kidney and they wouldn't let me, and that was about two years ago now. And anyway, so he's operating at 4%, but he will not get the vaccine. Um, so they took him off the list at Duke, at, um, oh, what other one was it? At Wake Forest. And yeah, they just shot him down at Charlotte, New Orleans. He was supposed to be getting it done down there. And it was a glimpse of hope. And then they turned and said, no, we just updated our policy, like literally the day before. 
Um, so now he is waiting, last I knew, to hear back from a facility in Texas and one in Florida uh, to see if he goes any further. But as of right now, yeah, he's at 4%. He does dialysis uh, three times a week. Uh, Ed, Ed M., he's right here in Morganton, just to let you know. And um, so, yeah, we'll see. He's been making the rounds, doing interviews with Newsmax, Inside Edition, CBS. You know, he was on the front of the New York Post. So I'm proud of him. And I told him to keep up the good fight. You know, I think what he's doing is going to inspire a lot of people, whether it's going to take it to the end, Gina. Oh, yeah. He, he I mean, won't take the vaccine. Some no people way. are saying, obviously, he's a wacko. Um, I think we've gone so far from give, give me liberty or give me death. Um, that in itself is kind of sad. Well, on the yeah. other hand, let's, you know, it, the mandates are, are cruel and unconscionable. But if you're going to definitely die if you don't take the vaccine and you know there's a one percent two percent chance of getting a serious um thing if you do get the vaccine I, I don't think he's doing the engineering right well it's not about that it's about the principle of being mandated to do it and that's what he is fighting and he wants to stand up he doesn't want the he wants to fight for the next generation and if he's got to stand up in this aspect that's what he's going to do. Well, okay, so that, if you're making my point, live free or die, is it a bumper sticker? Give me liberty or give me death? Is that something we live No, it needs to be what we actually live by. And none of us, we, we think he's crazy for it rather than thinking he's a hero. I so think he's maybe they were crazy back then too and we'll go back to the British accent. That, that's not an unusual reaction. I had somebody on the left say that about Kyle Rittenhouse and how crazy and stupid he was for for you know, getting in the middle of that melee, those riots. And I said, no, he's not. He's a hero for doing that. He had guts. He stood up for what was right. Yeah, I mean, I think hero is just Latin for toxic masculinity, isn't it? Well, it here, actually, so there is a bill that six Republican governors just put out regarding um, a bill to amend the Public Health Service Act to prohibit transplant centers from discriminating against an individual seeking an organ on the basis of whether the individual is vaccinated against COVID-19 and for other purposes. So this is actually being presented to Congress. So yeah. it's, it's a chip Why aren't the governors having their own legislatures uh, introduce it and, and pass well, it? It should be done in the states and yeah. have criminal penalties to, attached to doctors who don't do it. That's the thing. It's like get a, a marshal in there, a state policeman in there and arrest the doctor if they refuse to perform the surgery to this. Right. Well, see, because he's had all of his workups and that's where he is 100 percent healthy. Even his heart that he's had multiple surgeries on is 100 percent healthy. He is good to go in every aspect besides the vaccine. He's not a smoker, not a drinker. And, you know, I know they make you stop smoking prior to a lot of surgeries because of it thins your blood, yada, yada. But I mean, that'd be like anybody saying, you know, well, I'm going to drink Diet Coke a whole bunch afterwards, or I'm not going to give up Diet Coke, or I'm not going to give this up. I mean, how, how far are they going to go with it to be for the greater good or for your own protection? I mean, it's, it's bull crap. Death panels, death panels. Okay. Thank you, Gina. Um, yes. Anybody want to talk about the Pennsylvania court case? Ed, you're our legal correspondent. <laughs> I know a little bit about it because I come from Pennsylvania. Oh, wait, are you from Scranton? Yeah, me and Joe. I was thinking Aww. the same thing, Steve. Me and Joe. <laughs> Scranton kid, all right. All right, so the, the way you vote 
is not in Pennsylvania a law passed by the legislature and signed by the governor. The voting procedures are actually written into the state constitution. Yep. So let's understand that it's not a law, it's a constitutional provision. And the constitutional provision does not allow for mail-in mail ballots voting. the way it does. Even if the legislature had passed a law. No, it did pass a law. It did pass a law. In 2019. But, right, it did pass a law, but it didn't. It did, doesn't matter whether they passed a law or whatever. But even when they passed no, no. the law. Ed, don't you remember the Supreme Court? That, that was the case that the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania said brought out latches. Yeah. And well, you had to challenge this within 120 days or something right. like that. And nobody challenged it. So even if it's unconstitutional, it's too late. It's part of the law. I know that it's, was the case. It's, it's crazy. And they and but now the uh, I think a Pennsylvania appeals court has thrown out that law as obviously unconstitutional because you have to pass like in Virginia to get something on a constitution, you have to pass it in two consecutive legislatures, which means like two years apart or, or one year apart. And then it has to go to a referendum and the people have to vote for it. Uh, probably 50%, sometimes more than 50%, but uh, they didn't do that. So they, they tossed this law with the um, mail and ballots as unconstitutional, which is good. Um, the Pennsylvania Supreme court is, uh, very liberal, and they are going to. Well, I think they put a stay on it. There's already a stay. So, my questions are basically number one, duh. Number two, how scary it is that all they need is one other judge who can now say it is constitutional, even though it clearly isn't. And yeah. number three, if it's unconstitutional, why do we have this idea that we don't overturn results? And I just you know, if you cheated on a football game, you should overturn the football game. And I just don't get it. If it was clearly unconstitutional, those ballots are clearly not acceptable. Well, I mean, I, I totally agree in principle. It's just that the election for president is not done by the voters of Pennsylvania. The election for president is done by the electors. And the only electors that were sent were Biden electors. So I don't know. We they may didn't think, the alternate we may think that uh, and the electors were selected by the state legislature and uh, there's nothing we can do about it. it the electors voted for Biden. They um, were the ones certified by the state. Right. Now, I don't know if Pennsylvania sent alternate electors, but I know that that's why they're raising hell about Trump and all his minions, that you dared to send alternate electors, knowing that these electors were unconstitutionally there, et cetera, et cetera. And they want to hang Trump for that. So, and by the way, yes, the state legislature could send electors that I assume weren't voted for by anybody. That would be their power, but it isn't the way it works. And if they this do. were reversed, if Mark it were Levin reversed, actually advocated that in uh, during you know in the post November twenty twenty uh, aftermath, right? And I think the point was states elected the president, not the people. If I'm not, yeah. and they could do that too. By they they the people could vote for. Biden potentially, and the legislature is like, no, Biden's crazy and demented. We're gonna we're gonna send electors to Trump. They could do that. And so then, happens. what's the point of this court ruling if the people have no say? What do you mean the people have no say? We just established the people have no say in presidential elections. The state legislature could do what they want. Therefore, this court ruling is moot when it comes to presidential elections. 
Matter of fact, they should not move because it I mean, they violated the state constitution. It's 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 relevant going forward. It's not they're not going to be able to overturn the prior election, but it's relevant going forward. Why is it relevant when the state legislature isn't bound by the popular election? Well, they aren't they, bad they by still, the popular election for the electors. They are for like governor and senator. So I'm and- correct. So therefore, this court decision is moot when it comes to presidential elections. The, I don't the, understand the, your point. The issue is, Steve, that by custom right. and by state law, electors are allocated according to the way the state law says. Okay, we just said we're talking backwards and forwards. We just said the state legislature can send anybody they want. They can. And in fact, in, in 2000, the Florida legislature was was all set to reconvene to, poten- to potentially send their own electors anyway until the Supreme Court stopped the county. Right. But so if that's true, then the popular vote doesn't have any effect on the state legislature. By custom, it does, but not by law. That's all I'm saying. It can't be both ways. But it's not because it's not by custom. I mean, the the state legislature has passed a law saying this is how our electors are going to be sent to to the Electoral College. And in Pennsylvania has another law that supersedes that and says, well, we've seen what happened here. There are too many irregularities. Therefore, we're going to disregard. We're going to repeal that prior law or it's not going to apply to this election. And we're going to send our own electors. The okay. state legislatures have the final say. That's Article Two, Section One of the Constitution. Okay. In the except Pennsylvania, in Pennsylvania, except in Pennsylvania, the legislature has bound themselves by putting the electors' selection into the Pennsylvania Constitution. When it's in the Constitution, the legislature is bound by that. So, in principle, because the Constitution says the Pennsylvania Constitution says. This is the way Pennsylvania's electors will be selected. The legislature cannot in Pennsylvania go against that unless they change the constitution. Okay, Ed, Ed, let me go backwards because I'm having obviously very thick, thick headed here. If the constitution of Pennsylvania says the legislature has to send electors based on the popular vote and the popular vote has just been ruled unconstitutional, therefore those electors are not valid. You can't have it both ways. If they were elected because somebody came and put guns to their head and said, I'll kill you well, if you vote okay, this Steve, There was a case, uh, it was brought by the by by some representative, uh, member of the House of Representatives, I think, in Pennsylvania. I forget his name, but there was a case that was brought. It was brought in, in November and December of, of 2020, and he made this exact argument. And the court, the appellate court said, You're absolutely right. The mail-in voting was illegal. And you have a likelihood of success on the merits. And the Pennsylvania Supreme Court, they were completely boxed in on that opinion. There was nothing they could do. So they manufactured this bogus argument that, well, the, under, under Pennsylvania rules of procedure, if you want to challenge a, a, a statute that was enacted as unconstitutional, there's a time limit for you to do it, which is utterly ridiculous because if it's unconstitutional, there was no power to do it in the first place. So, but- That's what the Supreme Court of Pennsylvania said. It was unconstitutional. It was inconsistent with the Pennsylvania Constitution. And and therefore, the Pennsylvania legislature had power under Article Two, Section One of the federal Constitution to come in and say, "Okay, we're going to appoint our our electors. But that didn't happen. The, The legislature still 
They could have done it. They just didn't. So the game is over, as Ed Powell is saying. Once they, they, the electoral vote was counted in the Senate on January 6th, as 6th. we all know, January 7th, um, then no, the January election 6th. was over. It's over. Right. And it's like the Super Bowl, like, or not the, the Super Bowl. It's like a football game. Once the buzzer sounds, it doesn't matter if the refs made a bad call. Exactly. I have a question for you, Ed. Um, let, let's go to different scenarios in the football game. Let's say that we found out that, I don't know, find, think the most egregious example you could. Only one team showed up or players were playing for different teams at the same time. Or think of any egregious example. There's no circumstance in which a football game would be ruled to be just invalid like it never happened. None. Let's take the well, deflate gate since Tom Brady is in the no, deflate gate was just a rumor and a charge. No, 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 no. He, they, he would, it was found that they actually <laughs> cheated and they went to the Super Bowl based on cheating. And my view at the time was, hey, wait a minute. If, if this is true, couldn't you figure it out like within a few days and then and then completely, um, you know, disqualify the Patriots and, and send I forget who it was, the Giants or whatever. Colts. Indianapolis okay. Colts. Oh, Colts. Okay. So the Super Bowl, and that's just not how the rules are written. First of all, I don't know that that's not how the rules are written because I've never read the NFL rules. But how about if the Rams were playing the Chargers in the Super Bowl and neither team showed up and instead a bunch of kids from kindergarten showed up and played? Would anybody rule that the results of the game were valid because they put on the uniforms? No. No. They but I can, the game let me answer a question from played. before, though. Let, so let what I'm saying question. is, Ed, all I'm saying is there are circumstances under which the game was not played. And there has to be somewhere that's true. If elections was, were, were voted for illegally, then they weren't elected. Right after Deflategate came out, which was a day or so after it happened, there was talk that Roger Goodell was going to disqualify the Patriots and maybe send the Colts. But that was just considered too disruptive at the time. I remember that. So it was considered, but it was considered too drastic of a thing to do. There was another situation that happened about four years ago. I don't know how much, you know, if we've got football fans on the panel or in the audience, but uh, the, uh, the, Saint, the New Orleans Saints were playing the Los, Angel the Los Angeles Rams in the NFC Championship game. And there was a blatantly missed pass interference call in the last minute and a half or so of the game. And it cost the New Orleans Saints a chance to get to the Super Bowl. And it was so they admitted it afterwards. The referees admitted they got it wrong. The league admitted they got it wrong. And they changed the rule. They allowed pass interference to be a, a challengeable call and replay. But the game is, like Ed said, the game was over. The whistle blew. It was a bad so call. I'm asking you a that, 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 that's a judgment call. I'm asking you a question. If <laughs> kindergartners showed up and put on Rams and Chargers uniform, would we also say the game was played? No, no, but I don't think that's I a think, really I good think the, analogy. The, to the, be, the better, the better, the better analogy would be: Team X is, um, you know, getting the shaft, and they go to the referee to enforce the rule, and the referee doesn't want to enforce the rule, and they lose because that—that's the better. No, I think the better analogy is there are circumstances in which we would say the game was not played. Now we're lucky that Biden's being elected hasn't been disruptive. And it hasn't had that many consequences. I don't want to, you know, argue the issue. It's no big deal. But the point is, everybody will agree that there will be a scenario in which an election could not be valid. Otherwise, we're total 100% banana republic, which sadly we are. I didn't understand. 
we, we I think we all agree that the election was in was not valid. We all think that it was stolen. But the question is, what's the remedy? How do you deal with it? The remedy is the president gets switched. I mean, if an election were clearly stolen, I've asked the question before, and now they have video, supposedly, what's his face? Um, the Indian guy, Dinesh, I believe has videos of them literally stuffing ballot boxes. Uh, true. If somebody, right. If somebody literally could prove 100% beyond a shadow of a doubt that Biden did not win, there has to be a remedy or else. Okay, but all right, let me address that, Steve. You, you use the keyword there, prove. Who proves? The House has to impeach and the Senate has to. No, that's not convict. what I'm saying. I'm not saying that, impeach. But that's, that's how you remove a president. That would be the procedure. You no. have to follow the procedure. If, if he's okay. What do you want a judge to do it? You want to go to a court? Okay. No. I have a question. If if uh, Oswald, when he shot Kennedy, walked into the Oval House, Oval Office, and declared himself president of the United States, would you say the only way to remove him is by impeachment? Of course not. He had no right no, being. But there that's in not the first the, it's place. not a good analogy. You, at of all. course it is. If you're not elected, you're not the president. Once he's sworn in, he's the president, and there is a procedure. You have well, to so wait a minute. Him. Okay, let's go, Ed. So therefore, I go to John Roberts and I stick a gun in his wife's face and threaten to kill his children and grandchildren. Why are you going to the courts? Because he's the, the one who's swearing. No, you're not listening. If John Roberts swears me in, you're telling me I can only be removed by impeachment? That's absurd. Okay, that is that's absolutely not, That's not what happened. And a person was not elected as president. It doesn't matter if he's sworn in. It does not matter. Does matter. What are you I telling me? It, it does doesn't matter. matter. It doesn't it does matter. How do you become president? You become president, by the way, if you're not sworn in, you're not president. Do you really believe that? That's not true because I don't think you have to be sworn in. What, to be no president? If if you would never sworn in, there'd be no president of the United States? Look, Joe Biden is occupying the White House. He is he, occupying the White he House. Is, he is illegitimate. He was illegitimately and elected. as far as remedy, the remedy is if it were proven. I'm not saying it could be proven. Proven is your keyword. What, what, you're stealing it's, that. It's already been proven beyond a shadow something? of a doubt. So listen, already been proven beyond a shadow of a doubt. Okay. That, no, no, Ed. No, it hasn't been. Because pro proving it beyond a shadow of a doubt implies that there's a forum and that there are rules that apply. What's the forum and what are the rules? It hasn't been proven. It's all anecdotal. Now, we all agree with it. OK, I'm not disagreeing with where you're going, but prove is a specific you're, you're talking about the fraud meaning. But Ed, you're talking about the fraud wasn't proven, right? But the constitutional ruling on? proved that Pennsylvania was illegal. Will we agree on oh, that? Oh, yeah. Well, that's what I'm getting at. I mean, there, there were the left marched into all these courts. They used, um, you know, in Pennsylvania, um, who was it that uh, changed the law? Um, in Pennsylvania. The Shapiro? Wolf? So uh, anyway. Well, no, the legislature, no, they got a, they passed a statute. The Republican legislature passed a law. It was a compromise with Wolf. No, but there, there was somebody else, not the governor or lieutenant governor who stepped in and, and changed You're talking the about laws. the Board of Elections? And by the way, the same thing in Georgia, which was clearly unconstitutional, the Stacey Abrams deal. You don't need proof. Anyway, it's clearly unconstitutional. The point I'm trying to make is they went in and they rigged the game. They went to the courts and they did all this stuff to change the rules. They, they knew they were flaunting the system, you know, totally gaming, gaming the system. That's that's what they did. That part is definitely proven. We know that that's true. You know, the extent of the fraud, that's another question. So what do you guys feel, uh, Mastriano from the Pennsylvania legislature, 
What do you guys feel about him running for governor? Because he was very vocal after the election. Well, anybody but Wolf, right? Well, you got four Republicans running right now. And I know um, Mastriano, I think he's at like 46% that he's sitting on all the polls. Would you be happy with that, with him representing you? Well, I, I live have in to Virginia. Look at the candidates. I, I don't know. Oh, come from Pennsylvania. Gotcha. Say it again, Ed. I, I live in Virginia. I come from Pennsylvania. Um, so it's my mom, you know. Okay. I, I would be happy with anybody but Wolf, to be honest. <laughs> I, I would be happy with anyone but Wolf. But if you want me to pick one of the four Republicans, I need to look at them. I don't know them well. I don't know them at all off the top of my head. Okay. And is everybody excited to see um, this documentary that uh, Dinesh D'Souza is putting out with the 211 ballot harvesters? Um, I'm excited, personally. I'm, I'd like to go to the premiere, which is in Dallas somewhere, I think. Is yeah. it okay? It's just to... to well, Ed, if you can uh, hold on until the contract is signed for the $100 million, we will send you our private check. Oh, there you go. <laughs> All right. I'm going to give everybody their final licks. There's a lot we didn't get to. Start with you, Mike, because you're on top of my screen. What didn't we get <laughs> that you wanted to get to? Oh, God. Um, I, you know, I really was fascinated by Jason Whitlock's commentary uh, when, when Tucker interviewed him. And he was talking about how the left targeted sports, um, you know, because it's the only, it's the only um, way that people can mass market in, in this day and age because we everything is so fragmented. You can DVR things, you have Netflix and there's so many different ways for us to spend our time and focus on certain things that, you know, he was making the point that the left, you know, went after sports to undermine sports, to use it to their advantage, to push their agenda and to attack something that he said really exhibited conservative values that sports does. Um, whether it's the fact that you see people kneeling and praying before and after the game or praising God for their talent and their ability and that they were able to win the game. Uh, all those types of things. It was just really, really fascinating. The, um, the snippet of the interview that he did with Tucker and um, the things that he was saying. It was, I thought it was something I hadn't heard before. And, um, you know, I think if you haven't gotten a chance to listen to what he had to say, I would go back. And, and, so my and understanding of the point that he was making, because I didn't listen to it, but was that they're using sports to promote this because it's the one thing still watched by a more wide audience. Yeah, with a captive audience and a, an obviously really massive audience. I mean, anytime people are watching football on a Sunday, let alone the Super Bowl. I mean, you've got a big audience uh, and it's not just football, it's all sports, you know, baseball, basketball, where you, you're not going to sit there and fast forward through things. You're not going to have your attention diverted to something else. You're, you're watching your team, you're watching the game and you're going to watch the ads because again, you're watching a live event. You can't just hit that fast forward button. All right. I don't want to talk to you about my family's neuroses. But I've taken on, when I used to watch the NFL, I took on my father's neurosis of only watching the game after my team won. Right. I leave my neurosis well, to myself. I do want to mention, since you're talking about professional sports, do we have reactions to Kurt Schilling's being kicked, never allowed into the Hall of Fame? Well, he brought that on himself. I mean, he, he had a good chance of getting in this year, but he turned around last year and 
sounded off on all the writers and said, don't vote for me, you know, and they didn't. Some of them turned around, they didn't. But, but the reason they didn't vote for him was pretty clearly political, right? No, no. I mean, he was on the cusp of getting in, despite the fact that there's a lot of writers that don't like him and maybe they don't like his politics and some other things that have gone on over the years. But the minute he came out, he's like basically saying, don't vote for me next year. Well, some of them didn't. They didn't. You know, the interesting thing about the baseball vote this year um, is the fact that David Ortiz got in and there's suspicion that he was on PEDs. Um, there was at least one report for sure that it sounded like he definitely did something based on what I understand anyway. Um, what he did in the years, you know, his long career with the Red Sox is in question in my view. But it's interesting that he got in on the first ballot while Bonds and Clemens and others haven't gotten in. Um, you know, there's a lot of inconsistency when it comes to the baseball sorry, hall, hall of fame. on the first ballot, Mike? David Ortiz of the, of the Red Sox. And he was tied to um, PEDs. And it's probably back when that big report came out, maybe in 2003, and a lot of names were on, on the list. Uh, what he did after that, and he was very good in those years after that. I don't know. But, to, you know, even with that one bad mark on his record, to get in on the first ballot when, God, there's been so many great players who were slam dunk Hall of Famers. Didn't get in on the did first ballot? That, did I hear you say, did you say that Kurt Schilling was tied to PEDs? No, I didn't say that. Oh, because I, I mean, he, it's a he, crime he, that he's not in. I think well, you he, said like Ortiz. Said, yeah. Yeah. The thing with Kurt Schilling is he was getting really close to being elected and he came like this close last year, I believe. And then he came out and he's like, screw this. Don't vote for me. Well, this year, a lot of them didn't vote for him and he didn't get close. He probably cost himself uh, election to the Hall of Fame. Maybe so. But I mean, he's such a clear cut Hall of Famer to me. He should have been elected, if not first ballot. I mean, he was should have been an early nominee. I mean, he, he carried the, the Diamondbacks to World Series. He helped break the curse. He was probably more uh, responsible for breaking the curse for the Red Sox than anybody else. I mean, and the guy well, had good career numbers. I mean, he deserves look, I, the Hall of Fame. I, I, think I, he's, I, I think he's probably deserving. I don't think it's because of the curse and what he did in the postseason. Because I don't think that's necessarily. Well, but his, yeah. I mean, it adds to his career highlights. He had a good. I'm going to have to give you the definitive reason why he was not voted into the Hall of Fame. He Baltimore Trump. traded him. Baltimore traded him because he wasn't going to be that good, and Baltimore could never make a mistake like that, could they? <laughs> I think uh, my Mets have made some uh, some bad trades like that over the years too. No, Nolan Ryan, Nolan Ryan for Jim for I, uh, I was How about Steve born... Chilcott. Remember I him, was born Mike? into the 1966 yeah. Orioles when they still had a real team before whatever. But that that's my uh, take on Schilling. <laughs> okay, Ed M, you're next on my uh, squares list, the way I see this screen. All right. Um, and yes, you can sum up your year if you like, since you're a birthday boy. I'm not <laughs> going to make it about me. I'll, I'll make it about a, a, some news stories that we didn't hit. Uh, one one is one story that I saw that we didn't really that we didn't talk about was uh, just today or yesterday. The um, former head coach of the Miami Dolphins is 
brought a lawsuit against a couple of teams in the NFL and the NFL itself, uh, claiming that the Rooney rule and the, the, the rules that the NFL uses that are supposed to ensure minority candidates get interviews are really just a sham. And uh, he's, he's suing uh, the New York Giants, uh, the Dolphins, and I think one other team, I forget which one. Um, and I just, you know, in light of our earlier conversation about cancel culture, I just, I laugh at it because, you know, I, I, if it weren't for my son, I wouldn't be watching the NFL, but my son is more important than political statements for me. Um, and I, so I'm watching these games and I see all the, the nonsense, all the uh, cultural surrender that's on the sidelines and the end zones on their helmets to uh, ending racism. You know, you watch, you know, you watch the commercials and they've got all these commercials with black people coming on saying, you know, I'm going to make $20,000 less than a white person at the same job. And, you know, I, you know, someday I'll be a, a CEO of companies, you know, just like white people. And, you know, they have all these, all these um, capitulations to, to, you know, the patriot, you know, to the, to the claim, the false claim that there's systemic racism in this country. And, you know, I just, I, I laugh at it. I mean, I, you know, like I said earlier, you know, I hope that the NFL gets, gets whipped. You know, I hope that they lose that lawsuit big time, not because I think there's racism, but because they think, because I think that they've uh, refused to stand up and, and say, no, that there's no racism here. We've got a league full of black multimillionaires and they all make lots of money. And, you know, the, the reason that, I mean, you know, this is just, you know, you, this is my personal opinion. I think it, it's not racism that prevents black coaches from getting hired. It's, it's this idiotic sports mentality that they would rather hire proven losers than unproven people. And I've never understood that in, in any of the sports leagues when it comes to managers or, or general managers, they recycle coaches and general managers that have run the worst teams in the league and th those guys constantly get jobs but you know I, I don't know that that's true ed i mean look at the giants they just had a can their coach after two years a guy never yeah, he was talking about professional football teams mike yeah i, I know <laughs> no but i mean i'm yeah. talking about you know <clears throat> you do have a point though yeah they do recycle them and it is kind of funny it's not happening how many, in managers, baseball how many managers or head coaches in football you know, they, they coach the worst teams in the league. They get fired because they went three and 13 and then they get hired by somebody else. I mean, uh, the Los Angeles Rams, you know, they, they, uh, they keep showing their offensive coordinator, Raheem Morris. The guy was a total loser coaching the Buccaneers a couple of years ago. You know, uh, uh, what's the guy? Todd Bowles was the coach of the Jets and he was a total flame out and he's a head He's a a coordinator and Bill Belichick. Bill Belichick sucked when he was with the the, uh, the Cleveland Browns. Oops. Okay, yes, yeah, some of them find a way to to, <laughs> to succeed. Pete Carroll had some bad years. I get it, but yeah. but um, you know, I think that I don't think it's racism. I think it's just it, it's bizarre that they. It's an old boys network. It's not about race. It's about the club. It's about culture, and they don't want to bring new people in. That's that's what I think it is. And I don't think it's about race because the whole league is the NBA, the NFL. They're they're almost all they're like 75 percent black. I mean, aren't the, Ram, the Rams going to the Super Bowl with a 36 year old coach? I mean, <laughs> OK, I, yes, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not sure. That, 
Theo Epstein was with right hired by the Boston Red Sox, but I'm saying that that's the exception. Usually they're hiring people that are 58 years old and have never won anything. I mean, you know, know Joe Torre was a true. good example until he came to the Yankees and won. Yeah. So is that, did the White House take their example and that's why they hired the failure of Kamala Harris? Or Biden? Well. Talk about ah, recycling. Failing up, right? Yeah. Or the new Supreme Court justice to be named. Affirmative ah, ah. right. yeah. action right there, yeah. Love the only it. other the, thing I'll, I mean, the, the Dodgers and the Red Sox have both won championships in recent years with guys who never managed before. The last time I checked, one was black and one was Hispanic. So... I don't know, Ed. I think maybe 20 years ago, even you might be right about what you're saying, but I, I don't think it's accurate right now. Well, you got black, white, you got goats, and the goats gone or will be gone. How do you guys feel about that? Or is gone? I guess the season's not technically over. With Tom Brady? With Tom yeah. Brady. I just find well, it interesting that goat used to mean you you were the guy that screwed up and cost the team the game, but now it's greatest uh-huh. of all time. So yeah, because really you can sure. stand on them little cliffs, you never fall. Yeah, you know. Listen, I think that anytime somebody like him retires, it's a chance to, to look back and celebrate his excellence. And I don't care what anybody says at this point; he's the greatest that there was ever was. Do you think all the political so, controversies part of the reason why he retired this year? That he's probably fed up with it because we know he has had a little bit of backlash from speaking more conservative wise with the statements that he's made. I think there are probably uh, a bunch of different. Uh, things going into it but I have a feeling that you know at 44 that's your body starts to not behave 100% and uh, I, I, I think that uh, Brady is a guy who wants to give 100% every single second that he's on the field uh, he, he may be the greatest athlete of all time um, because his mental um, abilities, his leadership abilities, um, his, you know, his on the field performance abilities. I mean, he took Tampa Bay to the Super Bowl uh, last year, and uh, that was truly amazing. And I've re- read articles that said it, 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 the locker room was a completely different place with him in it. Everybody was focused because he was focused, mentally focused 100% of the time. And I think you get, you get to a point where everything hurts, right? I mean, I'm at that point, but I'm not a professional football player. And I, I think it takes away from your focus. And I, I have a feeling that it's more that than anything that made Brady uh, retire. Tom Brady was and is a great NFL player and NFL quarterback. But in my opinion, he wasn't even the best quarterback of this generation. He wasn't better than Peyton Manning. I would have taken Peyton Manning over him any day of the week. Um, that doesn't mean I think Tom Brady is not a great quarterback. And now we're, now we're going to get a five hour show here Get the five um, hour show. We're going to argue about who's the best quarterback. But I mean, I just I, even just, you know, in terms of physical gifts, I mean, I think the best quarter, the, the most gifted quarterback I ever saw was John Elway. I think the guy I would trust in the two minute drill more than anyone is probably Aaron Rodgers um, or maybe Joe Montana. I mean, and Joe Montana is a really special case because he had really no physical gifts. I mean, other than he was sort of elusive and fast, but he didn't have a great arm. He wasn't, he just was brilliant and always knew the right place to throw the ball. Um, but that's, that's how Brady I don't think that Brady is, huh? Brady was the same way, wasn't he? 
I'm going with Peyton because he made the best commercials. So that's I, what I'm taking. I can't think of too many times when Tom Brady ran a two-minute drill compared to, say, Aaron Rodgers or or John Elway or or any of them. I mean, Brady was a, is a great I mean, player. He, I'm not trying to did, take away he from did, him. He but. did come in, the, in that first Super Bowl against the Giants. He he uh, they, they were losing the whole game, right? And he led that drive down the field to take the lead. It wasn't his fault that the Giants came back and, and won that game. <laughs> okay, but I mean, that first of all, it wasn't a two-minute drill, and that's what that's one of the ways I measure a quarterback. You know, you get the ball with under two minutes. I mean, if you want to go to, you know, go but to a two-minute drill, I would go to Brady's first Super Bowl against the Rams in 2002. That was a great two-minute drill. Um, I can't think of too many in his career. Admittedly, most of the time he was in the lead, and you know he was a great player. I'm not denying he was a great player, but when you're talking about the greatest of all time, I don't think you can say that a quarterback is the greatest of all time without being able to point to one after another two-minute drills. And Peyton did it. John Elway did it. Um, what, about, what about the seven rings? <laughs> those are team accomplishments. Those are team accomplishments. Okay, but he was the quarterback. You know, I thought that too, um, Ed, until he went to the Buccaneers. I really did. I thought I thought you were right. I thought it was a, it was, a team. Well, it was, it was, there were amazing teams. New England had, it, it, it was more of a question of him well, versus to, the coach, right? It was, take him, the other it was side, him the coach. I, I actually don't think those Patriot teams were all that great. I think that other than the couple of years, they had Randy Moss as a receiver and, and Gronk as a tight end. That, that's they, my boy, Randy. They Sorry. were not very good teams at all. And he was probably the best guy in that team. So even though it's a team accomplishment, he was probably the best player on the offense. Yes, I mean, you look at the receivers he had, uh, you know, I, I'm trying to remember their names. They're, they're, these, you know, I, I can't even remember their names. Ed, Edelman, Edelman. Huh? Yeah, Edelman. 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 I mean, guys that are, that are, forget about Hall of Fame. They weren't even, you know, all-stars. They didn't make the Pro Bowl. But he, he managed to find a way to win. And kudos to him. He was a great quarterback. But to call him the greatest of all time, I – I mean, just not to my eyes. Well, this is what makes the world go around. And, and as a pit guy, I have to mention Marino. I don't the, the greatest <laughs> sports uh, moment of my life being a Philly fan was uh, when uh, the Eagles beat the Patriots in the Super Bowl and Super Bowl 52. That was just that was uh, was the best sports moment of my life. Probably never to be repeated, given how bad the Eagles are, but. I have to wonder, um, not to drag this out too much longer, but with Nadal winning the Australian Open, how much of an asterisk will always be there on his 21st Grand Slam? I don't think there's any asterisk, but given what he said about Djokovic not being there, I don't give a damn what he thinks either. I don't have any respect for him, him meaning Nadal. You know, he... he what did he say? He said, he said... I'm paraphrasing. He needs to stop. Djokovic needs to stop belly aching. And we've got more important things to think about than whether he's willing to take a shot or not. Right. And so to me, if I'm Nadal, I want to compete against the best. And I would have said, hey, Australian government, you should let him compete. He's healthy. He's fine. You want to quarantine him in the hospital. Because they were quite a matchup. I I happen to believe Federer is the GOAT, but we won't get into that. But they were an amazing matchup. And to not have him there. It, there's always going to be in somebody's mind an asterisk. I have one other sports item that I want to throw out at people. By the way, I had no idea we were so into sports. We're going to have to have like once a month a sports show. You guys, oh, no. 
<laughs> tomorrow, <laughs> tomorrow the Olympics start, and Don't given that, watch. given that uh, COVID came from Wuhan, I want I want those athletes to be quarantined before they come back here. I don't want any more bioweapons being brought back from, from China, from these Olympics. The athletes, everybody from that Olympic village needs to be quarantined before they come back in this country. I heard one of our uh, up and coming gold medalist uh, candidates was tested positive already. I don't know what they're gonna have. I'm, I'm worried that it's gonna forget about COVID that it's gonna be another one. Well, I'm, I'm sorry, uh, Ed, but if they did that, they'd all just uh, fly to Tijuana and walk across the border. <laughs> and then you get flown to Westchester. Okay, Gina, uh, you're, you're uh, number four on my squares. But uh, you got to unmute yourself. Well, we I thought I just did. I'm sorry. Well, yeah, well, I gave up sports like seven years ago because I was a beyond fanatic. Maybe it was 10 years ago now, but uh, so I'm going to steer away from there, but we've been talking about all these greats. Um, so I'd like to talk about like the biggest loser for the week. And I'm going to say that's Justin Trudeau. Um, the oh con yeah. How do we not talk about that? <laughs> I don't know. Um, but yeah, so he gets the award for biggest loser of the week. And that'd be kind of fun to do each episode. Biggest winner and loser of the week. So go um, stop right there, Gina. That is a great idea. You're in charge. Hey! You are in charge. <laughs> Sweet. Okay. So I'll make sure to bring that up. Um, but yeah, um, God, could he just fail anywhere? See, I, I don't even know. Once he left the country, the statements he's made about only, you know, being out there supporting um, riots and protests, if it's something he agrees with. I mean, it's just absolutely absurd. You know, mm -hmm. the guy had to take off and leave the country, for goodness sake, you know, because some truckers are outside um, causing traffic issues, you know, then. Yeah, it, it, he's a loser. He's a loser. I hope you hear this, Trudeau. You're a flipping loser. That's all I got for him. But you anyway, in French, at least. Uh, je m'appelle Gina thinks you are a flipping loser. Um, I don't know. Uh, if that, it, uh, truck Frudeau nowadays, isn't that what people there you are go? Saying? But truck we're gonna be, yes. but there will be a yeah, he said truck, yeah. Um, but there will be a convoy coming from California over to DC. Um, so I am excited to see how that goes, and I'll be following that closely. You know, the um, beauty of DC, Gina, is that there's this thing called the Beltway. Mm -hmm. And there are only 23 crossings of the Beltway. Now, I would never suggest this, of course, because that it would be bad. But, you know, it wouldn't take too many trucks to close down all 23 crossings of the Beltway right. and not allow anyone into or out of, out of the Beltway. That would be great. That would and be how absolutely long they should do wonderful. that, Ed? Two weeks. Two weeks to flatten the curve. Exactly. Two right. weeks to flatten the curve. That's right. Yeah, I'm, 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 back to us in, in I would never suggest that. Three. Obviously, I would never suggest that because that would be bad. But <laughs> I, I'm just but saying. See, but see, I'm there's a the ridiculous saying. thing. So like the Canadian government, for example, people are trying to bring the truckers food. So the Canadian government issued by Trudeau is trying to get them to, you know, uh, arrest these people for bringing food to the truckers, which is absolutely asinine, you know, and then they're trying to get all these police departments to call the tow, tow truck companies. I don't know who the heck tows a semi truck. You know, but they just, they're shutting them down. And I'm just so proud of Canada. I really am. And I hope we can do the same yes. crap here. I really do. I'm, I'm glad that you brought that up. That was one this. of the stories I had in my head. And I, <laughs> we got into the sports discussion. I forgot about it. Yes. So, yeah. So who's the winner of the week? 
So let, let's see it. Who's the winner of the week? Uh, we'll have to give it to the truckers. The truckers. There you go. The great honkening. That's what <laughs> it's called. What? It's the honkening? great honk. The great honkening. 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 Yes. Doesn't that sound too much like the H-O-N-K-Y word that you're not allowed to use? <laughs> I don't know, but that's what they're calling it. The great honkening. By the way, it occurred to me that the, the better analogy for Steve's thing before about the election and everything and sports was, you know, if Frank Drebin was the umpire, then, you know, Naked Gun, Enrico Palazzo. <laughs> By the way, speaking of losers <laughs> of the week, you know, I have a question besides a comment. I mean, Alvin Bragg, who's the attorney general or whatever he's called up here, the district attorney in New York City, who is the absolute goat without the periods because he's gone out there and said he's not going to prosecute basically anything. But besides all the issues with what he's doing and how crazy unconstitutional it is, et cetera, how come they haven't changed his last name? He could use Goldberg. There it's you go. Of- <laughs> Listen, how much pressure was That's there great. to change Fort Bragg? <laughs> There was a lot of pressure to change a city or county in California called Bragg, and it just squeaked yeah. through. So I want to see, by the way, maybe we should send him like a thing. Please change your name to Goldberg. It's not a bad idea. And no well, one's been mentioned that this left-wing um, non-white attorney is named Bragg. I just think it's kind of weird. Well, speaking of heroes of the week, um, I don't know if you saw the wife of that fallen officer speak at the... Um, uh, the, funeral, the funeral services, yeah. Um, she took aim at him, and uh, you know she's a hero for standing up. I have a question. I know that this is not going to be popular, but many, many years ago, there was a uh, senator or somebody who died up in the northern Midwest, Wisconsin or something, and they made yeah. the funeral very political, and all of us. Oh, Wellstone. Yep, the Wellstone Memorial. Paul yeah. Wellstone. I, I was a little bit turned off by the fact that a cathedral. Now I'm a, a clergy person myself. That a cathedral funeral was turned into a political rally. Am I crazy? <laughs> yes. Clearly, <laughs> you, you're new. <laughs> I didn't mean globally crazy. I meant am I crazy on this issue? I mean, Mike, you're Catholic, right? Uh, yes, I am. Do you have an opinion on using a church that way? Well, it's like Ed said, we got to use uh, the, the weapons that they use against us against them. So I don't have a problem with that. I would just close <laughs> the street and make a speech. I just, I don't know. We were very mad at the Wellstone Memorial being turned into. Well, that turned, that turned into a crazy circus. Um, well, this is what, a five minute standing ovation? In a cathedral, that's but there's a, a little difference, Steve, between a, a plane crashing, which nobody has any control over, and a police officer being murdered because of specific policies that the leadership of New York City is, is implementing. I, I just think it's different. There's a definite difference. I agree with you. I'm just not totally comfortable with using a church that way. And maybe I'm just coming from it from the clergy standpoint. I mean... It was a eulogy. What is she supposed to do? A eulogy, by definition, I believe, is to talk about the great qualities of the person who died. It right. Is and not- he was 22 years old. His life was taken from him before he could achieve anything. Yes. He doesn't have a right he, to say, no. You know, how dare you assholes for putting these practices into, into effect and, and, and killing my a husband? Eulogy. It's not a eulogy. So I'm not. 
I'm not disagreeing. I'm just saying I, I'm not totally comfortable with using a church that way. Ooh, also, wait. she was oh. not a political person. She was yeah. the, the spouse. I mean, but, uh, a still, wife I, I had had to tell you something. in my small synagogue, there are times, never for me, God forbid, but there are times where people applaud something. And the traditionalists among us are very upset that you should never applaud in a sanctuary. It's just not decorum. So I just wonder about it again. I'm a fuddy-duddy because I'm over 40. But I applaud in church all the time. But I got to add somebody and kind of going back onto what you guys are talking about. So the Pope, I'm adding him to the loser list. Um, <laughs> Mike, I don't know if you've seen uh, <laughs> seen him out here promoting all these different social socialist ideologies. The guy is the devil. And yeah. that's all you I'm going to say. Seat on that uh, list, Gina? Huh? Doesn't he have a permanent seat on that list? Yes. Do you Not remember exactly when it was a, a joke? Is the Pope Catholic? <laughs> I don't know. Not they, anymore. Not no. He, can, can, can you guys like not. kick him out, like renounce him, or do something? I don't. I don't know what you can do. No you impeachment do in uh, the Catholic Church, unfortunately. Darn. No, but you can have another schism. <laughs> mm, mm, mm. All right. That's all I got. Ed Powell, I'm going to give you the final wrap up. Okay, hi. Uh, let's see. Uh, first, I my development lives um, is off of a road named Stringfellow, which is between Lee Highway and Lee Jackson Highway. And Fairfax County has decided that they are going to um, rename all the Civil War uh, uh, road names to something more appropriate. So I doubt that I will, uh, that anyone will ever be able to find my house anymore because all three of those <laughs> names are Civil War heroes. But I really wanted to talk about my two favorite white supremacists today, because if you can't talk about a great white supremacist, what can you do? So my first great uh, white supremacist, Victor Orban, uh, Tucker Carlson did a tremendous uh, little 30-minute uh, um, documentary where he interviewed uh, Viktor Orban, the uh, Prime Minister of Hungary. Uh, it's on Fox Nation. I want you all to watch. It's a great, uh, first of all, Budapest is one of the most beautiful cities in the world, and there's lots of pictures of it. And second of all, Viktor Orban is the leader of the free world. Uh, my second favorite- Amen. White What's that? Amen. Yeah. My second favorite white supremacist is that little uh, Filipino woman uh, named Michelle Malkin, who has gotten kicked off of her and her husband have gotten kicked off of Airbnb. They're no longer allowed to uh, do Airbnb because she had the temerity to speak at the American Renaissance Conference this year. Now, the interesting thing is and why this particular case is different than most cases. Most cases, when you're kicked off of social media, they just say you violated the terms and that's it. They don't give you any more details at all. But uh, Airbnb made the terrible mistake of actually writing a fairly long letter to um, Michelle Malkin saying that the reason she was kicked off was because she talked at the American Renaissance Conference. Uh, American Renaissance is a kind of a, a white advocacy group um, led by uh, Jared Taylor who lives just down the road here in Northern Virginia. And uh, the problem with that is that uh, Airbnb is governed by the rule of the rules of the state of California and the state of California pro uh, prohibits, believe it or not, discrimination on the basis of political viewpoint. So she has a kind of a decent case uh, going forward against uh, Airbnb. And she does plan to, to sue them based on 
this California law. And she has all sorts of information about it on her Telegram channel. And I hope you would all, I love Michelle Gamalkin. I mean, she is just the greatest little bundle of energy I've ever seen. And uh, I- Is she the goat? I, what's that? Is she the goat? She is, she is the little, she is the goat, yes. I, I just, I love her to death. Just checking. And uh, uh, I, you should all go uh, look. And if you have it uh, within you, maybe donate a few bucks to her um, legal uh, campaign to, to sue against this uh, cancel culture where they made a mistake of telling the truth. Okay, folks, with that, we're gonna wrap it up for today. As I said, hopefully by next week, we'll be streaming live to various platforms. As always, please send any feedback you may have to our email address, which is currently ejsshow at protonmail.com. We will see you all next week, Wednesday at 4 p.m. Thank you very much. Have a great evening.